<laughs> yes, that's right. Yeah. Good evening, everyone. Uh, we're just going to um, make a start. Uh, I'm not going to say much. I'm not going to say anything. I'm just going to hand over to uh, dear Mike. Is that okay? Fantastic. Here we go. Oh, there we go. Um, yeah, good evening, everyone. What we're probably trying to do... Um, how many of you were at the first one of these I did a few months back? Just so you can see. Okay, right. So, uh, so we talked last time a bit about um, being filled with the Holy Spirit, baptism of the Holy Spirit, and then we just, you know, gave a lot of space just to see what the Lord would do. And um, I think He, yeah, moved around us in a, in a, you know, some really encouraging ways. So we're going to do the similar thing tonight. Give the Lord lots of space. Uh, just to do whatever he wants to do, let the Holy Spirit speak to us and through us, and we'll have some sort of worship to facilitate that a little bit. So what I thought I'd do is just try and hone in a little bit on a little bit of a kind of equipping, um, just to help us learn a bit more about how to use what are called the gifts of the Holy Spirit, because the idea of tonight is old, after I've done a little bit, um, hopefully... Most of you will do the rest, <laughs> and we'll sort of see what the Lord wants to do. This is a sort of safe place to experiment with things. So sometimes with gifts, um, I find you you know you don't walk into them completely. Um, what should we say? Fully, fully confident or fully um, developed, even in the gift, or feeling fully mature in the gift. It can often be, you know, faltering little steps. Uh, and sometimes on a Sunday morning, maybe that can feel quite a quite a jump. You know, if perhaps all gives you something to share in whatever way. That's quite a step, isn't it? To be even to pray out loud is quite a thing, isn't it? So the idea of these evenings is just to try and build a bit of confidence amongst us. Now, some of you are already confident in these things, and you can set an example to everybody else. But you know, the goal of real church um, momentum is, is um, that we all kind of begin to move in the things that God has, has got for each of us to do. So I'm just going to spend a bit of time in 1 Corinthians 12 and 14, uh, and I'll just kind of talk it through as we go, just to sort of lay a bit of a foundation for us to then experiment with. So if you've got a Bible, a, you know, an original paper one even, or, or an app, you know, it doesn't really matter what, it might be helpful. I'm using the NIV, uh, so you know it might be useful to look in that if you've got it. Um, not because it's any better than any other translation, but just for the sake of uh, following. So Paul is instructing the church in Corinthians, which um, wasn't actually a very good example of a, of a church that was using the gifts very well. Uh, they got in a bit of a muddle. There was all sorts of things going on that really weren't very helpful at all. But I always find it encouraging that rather than Paul saying, look, just stop any spiritual gifts whatsoever because you, you clearly can't be trusted with them. Just sing some songs and have some preaching. Right? It's just safer. Right? I think if it had been me, I'd have started there. I'd have said, look, just shut up, all of you. Because you know, he actually said to them, and this is a, what, a, what a thing to say to a church. Your meetings do more harm than good. That was actually what he said to them. And, and yet he didn't shut it down. He just gave them some 
um, direction in it and said, look, rather than being the muddle you're all in, here's, here's how it should work. I think that's such, such a beautiful example of you know, how, how we just learn. God doesn't shut us down even when we make mistakes. He just gives us some, some clarity and hopes that we'll sort of mature into it. So he says, about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. So a church needs to be informed of how the gifts of the Spirit function. The whole church needs to know that uh, so that we're, we're, we're able to um, you know, exercise them well. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but all of, in all of them and in everyone, it's the same God at work. And verse 7, <clears throat> he then starts to list them. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Okay, so any gift we use is actually to bless everybody. It's not so much for us, if it's a public gift. It's to help everybody else. To one, there is given a message of wisdom. Now, a word of wisdom, <clears throat> I think most commonly, most people seem to think that refers to a supernatural insight into a situation where God shows you, uh, perhaps you're praying with someone or there's a particular situation facing the church or something, and something of God's wisdom is just supernaturally revealed to someone and they share that as a word and it unlocks a situation in a way that just human pondering on it or let's get our best people together and try and figure it out doesn't do. It's a, it's a, an insight of the Spirit, God's Holy Spirit bringing wisdom that just goes, and he's, that's what we need to do. It's, it's a, it short circuits, circuits about the need for about 10 meetings, right? <laughs> Planning meetings and whatever. You just go, that's what needs to happen. So that's a great gift to have, isn't it? Just to, because often people, we can come with all sorts of questions about things, troubles in life, and all sorts of, what do we do about this? What do we do about that? God's Spirit could just give someone an insight, uh, and um, it's kind of like a prophecy, but it, but it's more focused on, I feel God saying, do this, and this will happen. It's, it's more about an insight into someone's life or into, the, you know, the direction of the church or something like that. So it's, it, that's what that is. Um, <clears throat> to, uh, where are we? Yeah, the message of wisdom. To another, the message of knowledge by means of the same spirit. Now, there's lots of debate as to what a word of knowledge is. I'll just give you my, this is just my take on it, but I wouldn't say this is the final word, it's just my thought. I think it refers to when you start to expand scripture or you start to bring something from the scriptures and somehow the Holy Spirit brings a, a, a revelation or a, a, an unfolding of the, of the scriptures as you start sharing in such a way that you actually think, I didn't even realize I knew that. Uh, or I didn't, oh, that's an insight I hadn't even thought of. I think it can happen sometimes when you're reading the scriptures on your own and suddenly you read it and something just, you think, I've never seen that like that before. I think it's that kind of insight into the scriptures because he talks later on about if one person gets a revelation and they're speaking, then they should just stop and give way for another person who's getting some revelation. So I think it can be about, it's bringing supernaturally ins, supernatural insight from the scriptures into a public setting in a way that just pulls back the veil on it. And you think, wow, that's I've never seen that like that, or that really helps me. That's, that's just personally what I think it means. Anyway. To another, faith. 
by the same spirit. That could be exercised by prayer. Perhaps you're in a prayer meeting. And rather, and there are times, you know, when we can pray about something, but there are times also when someone gets a gift of faith and when they pray, they know they've obtained it. It's almost like there's no need to pray anymore because it's done. It can be like that or it can be a gift of faith so that when you're praying for someone, you say, you know, receive healing in Jesus' name. And there's just a surge of certainty. So it's more than just the kind of level of faith we normally carry, which we all have faith, you know, even if a grain of mustard, we've, we've all got faith. So it was never an ab- there isn't an absence of faith. But a gift of faith is a certainty that what you're saying or praying or doing is done. Um, and, 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 and you know that it will just, you know, out, outwork. Um, so to the degree that you think, I do not need to pray about that anymore, or I do not need to even think about that anymore, it's done. I think that's what you're referring to there. To another, um, uh, gifts of healing. So again, in a meeting like this, or in church, or in small groups, or, or even when you're meeting people out in, in, in the, you know, life, we can all pray for those who are unwell, because that's what Jesus encouraged us to do. You know, those that believe in my name will pray for the sick, they'll get healed. But there are certain times when different ones of us will get a, a gift of healing for a particular situation, and you can just pray for someone or for numbers of people even in the meeting, and lots of people will get healed when you pray for them. Some people carry that as quite a regular gift. Um, I think personally all of these gifts, again, I've only given my, there's different views on this, so it's not, it doesn't really, in some ways it doesn't matter, but in some ways it does. I personally take the view that all of these gifts are situational rather than possessional. So I tend to take the view, well, everyone can use any one of these gifts as the Holy Spirit leads them in a particular situation. But you often find some people excel or more, more regularly in the use of one or two or three of the gifts for some reason. I don't know, perhaps it's just confidence or familiarity. So I remember when I became a Christian, no one had taught me um, anything about these things. So I just, I just went through them all and I said, well, I'd like that one now, Lord. And then I kept persevering until I saw it happen. And then I went back and said, well, I have that one. I just, I, no one told me I couldn't. I mean, that's the best way, actually, when you become a Christian. Nobody said, well, you can't do that. So I, so I just kept going. Uh, and honestly, in, in all, I mean, I've been a Christian about 40 years now. Every single one of those gifts, at some point in my Christian life, I've seen happen. Um, just because nobody told me to stop. So, you know, why should you? Why should you stop? You know, so, so you know, go for it. So gifts of healing to another, miraculous powers. <clears throat> That's obviously a slightly different thing to healing. It's like a, a breakthrough in the miraculous. It doesn't have to be in the context of healing. It can be supernatural provision of money or supernatural provision of something. That just just a, 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 you carrying the certainty of something to call it into being. Uh, I think it's, it's that sort of thing. Or multiplying food or, you know, that sort of stuff. I mean... Uh, I don't know. To another prophecy, well, we're familiar with that. Are we sharing God's heart, either foretelling, like saying about what's going to happen in the future, or forthtelling, which can be prophecy about God's greatness and his, his uh, sort of some aspects of his character and nature that are that draw us into um, a greater picture of him. But it's um, either of those. Distinguishing between spirits, that's like discernment of spirits, knowing what's operating uh, if someone has got a need or something is happening in someone's life or, in, or 
or in the church, being able to discern what that is and pray, um, you know, so that that's unlocked and that sort of thing. Um, different ability to speak, sorry, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues and to still another, the interpretation of tongues. I think we're probably familiar with what those are. And all these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. Right? So it's the Holy Spirit just splashing these gifts around, and that's hopefully what he'll do tonight, just kind of distribute them amongst us, and we'll probably you know, all have something we could share. Uh, now, um, moving on to um, chapter 14, we'll just have a... Uh, quick look at that. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts of the Spirit. Um, yes? Did you just uh, do a little bit of the tongue? Yes, okay. Yes, all right. Um, so tongues is um, speaking a language you've not learnt under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. So it can be an earthly language or it can be a heavenly language like one that isn't on earth amongst people or it can be one that is you know somewhere spoken in the world or has been at some point in history often we don't really know um it's a gift i believe that you know paul says was that we'll come on to that he says uh, i would love it if you'd all speak in tongues but even more i'd love it if you prophesy so He's saying that those two gifts are things he really thinks everybody in the church should eagerly desire and go for. Um, we did touch on this a little bit last time in speaking in tongues of how to sort of take those first steps into that. Um, but basically, you know, I, again, I can only use my own sort of story. But when I became a Christian, I, I, I was new to all this and I just read that about speaking in tongues and read a, little, a few little books explaining a bit about what it was. And uh, I read um, also scripture that said, you know, if you are evil uh, and you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Uh, and it goes on to say that if you ask for bread, he's not going to give you a snake. So I can remember saying, well, Lord, you say, you know, I can see in your word, it says, you know, eagerly desire to speak in tongues and to prophesy. So I'm just asking you to give me the gift of tongues. I'm asking you for bread, trusting you. You're not going to give me a snake. So I had no, there was no, I had no feeling. There was no heightened emotions or anything like that. I just took God at his word. And I said to him, right, I'm going to open my mouth now and speak in a language I've never learned. And I did. And it felt really weird. Uh, and I thought, am I just making that up? Um, but I persevered, I persevered, and I felt like I was making it up, because in one sense, I was cooperating with what I think the Lord was giving me, and, you know, it just, I just carried on day after day, just for a little while every day, and I got more and more comfortable and familiar with, with it, and I thought, no, every time I doubted it, I thought, no, I asked you for bread, you're not going to give me a snake. So it was more about me trusting God than it was how great the tongues sounded, right, it was a, it was a, me trusting his promises. So I just persevered, persevered, and I've never had any more, I've never had any angelic visitation from that day to this to say, yes, this is the right thing. You know, I'm just trusting God that it still is, still sounds the same as it did all the way back then. But after that, I remember saying to the Lord, well, it says interpretation here, so I'd like that as well, please. So, uh, because nobody told me I couldn't, you know, so I just kept going. So I said, all right, I'm now going to speak in tongues, Lord. I'm going to trust you that when I open my mouth now, you're going to give me the prayer 
You're going to help me know what I've just prayed to you. And surprisingly, I just opened without any, opened my mouth without any thought what was going to really come out. And this beautiful poetic prayer came out, very psalm-like, just beautiful, worshipful language extolling God and who he was. And I thought to myself, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have made that up. That's just too good for me. You know, that was like on another level. That wasn't like me making a prayer up. That was something from the innermost being, you know. Um, so that's what I kind of mean by tongues and interpretation. I think sometimes in a, in a congregation, personally, I personally think it's okay for everybody to speak in tongues or sing in tongues all at once if no one's particularly focusing on one person because that's no different to having a group of lots of people from different nationalities when we say, well, let's all pray in our own languages or whatever. It's not, I think where Paul is talking about let someone speak in tongues and let someone interpret, he's talking about when in a meeting someone particularly speaks on their own in their prayer language so that everybody can hear because it's like a public thing that everyone's then focused on. That's when you need someone to then interpret and to then bring that prayer so that everybody can sort of applaud it. You know, I think it's where the focus is that really determines how we get the best out of the gifts. And just to say, when we're learning in these things, I always like to say to people, if somebody speaks in tongues and has a go and nobody interprets, right, it's not a sin. Right? It just wasn't very helpful. <laughs> it, just, you know, it just didn't have the final part. No one stuck the ball in the back of the net, but it was crossed in very well for someone just to head it in, but they never did. So it's okay. Right? Sometimes you just have to learn. And um, the number of times, you know, after the meeting, I've heard people say, oh, I, had, I did feel I knew what that prayer was, but I just didn't have the courage. So we've got to, we've got to give each other a little bit of space. It's no big deal. It's, it, and sometimes people have prayed in tongues, and then someone will prophesy straight afterwards and think that's the interpretation, think, no, it's not the interpretation. We've, we've missed a little bit, but it doesn't matter. It's okay. It, it's, it's okay. So that's what I mean about just learning. You know, it's, it's okay. It's, there's, no, there's no sort of, um, there isn't going to be any fire from heaven land on your head, uh, I hope. Um, so verse, uh, chapter 14, follow, the, is that okay, Luke? I, is that what you're aiming at? Yep. Um, follow the way of love, eagerly desire, eagerly desire, Gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. So you've got to want to do these things. <laughs> I remember I was teaching in a small group once, and someone said to me, if God wants me to speak in tongues, he'll make me. And I thought, you're not eagerly desiring the gifts of the Spirit. It's not, not a good context. So he's not, he's not going to force your mouth open and words come out. You've got to eagerly desire. Um, yeah, and it says there, he who speaks in a tongue doesn't speak to people, but to God. So it's a prayer, okay? He's speaking to God, not to people. So it's not a prophecy. It's to God. Um, yeah, where are we? So then it talks about, I mean, I won't go through all of this, but I just will talk about this, uh, where he says, um, I'm, 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 I'm. yeah, I'd like every one of you to speak in tongues. That's verse 5, but even... More, I'd rather have you prophesy. Um, and then let's jump to verse 26 because we can get into some of the detail here where he says, what shall we say then, brothers and sisters? Right, so he's speaking, imagine he's speaking to tonight. Right. When you come together, which we have, each of you has a hymn. Well, I might confuse whoever's leading worship, but I'm sure you can pick it up, Barbara. <laughs> each of you might have a hymn. So there might be some songs started spontaneously. 
You know, they might even be new songs of the Spirit that can't be played because it's the first time anyone's heard it, right? Or there might be songs that you just feel to bring. So it's, it's, it's a kind of a, you know, it's not all led from the front always, you know. So one of you might have a hymn. Um, or a word of instruction. I think that's probably referring more to word of knowledge, as I was talking about, like something from the Scriptures. A revelation. A tongue or an interpretation. Everything must be done so the church may be built up. If anyone speaks in a tongue, two or at most three should speak one at a time, and then someone must interpret. Now, again, I don't think he necessarily means tongues, then interpretation, tongues, then interpretation, tongues, then interpretation, although that's tidy. Sometimes it can be two or three people speak in a tongue, and then someone interprets what the, the collective prayer was. That seems to be what he's saying there. And the same with prophecy. So two or three prophecies, and then just pause, think about what's been brought, weigh it, and then you know, kind of respond to it. I don't think he means there's a, you can only have three in a meeting and then you've got to stop. He's saying just don't keep rushing on with loads and loads of prophecies. Just pause so that you can really reflect on what's been brought uh, to get the best out of it. So it's just like managing the meeting well. I mean, m- most of us would be happy if we had one prophecy in the meeting, but, you know, he's, he's anticipating so many people wanting to prophesy that we've just got to manage it slightly. Wouldn't that be great if that, uh, we get to that stage? Um, yeah. He says, for you can all, verse 31, you can all prophesy in turn. Look at that. You can all prophesy in turn so that everyone may be instructed and encouraged. So it's something that all of us could, could move into. Now, um, I want to just look at this verse uh, where it says, verse 34, women should remain silent in the churches, right? This is interesting as to what it does mean and what it doesn't mean, right? This is a good bit of exposition for us to grapple with, right? Women should remain silent in the churches. They're not allowed to speak, but must be in submission, as the law says. If they want to inquire about something, they should ask their own husbands at home, for it's disgraceful for a woman to speak in the church. Now, you might think, well, that's shut down half the contribution straight away. But you've got to then put the, you've got to look at the scriptures in its context. So look at what he then goes on to say. Or did the word of God originate with you, or are you the only people it has reached? If anyone thinks they're a prophet or otherwise gifted by the Spirit, let them acknowledge that what I'm writing to you is the Lord's command. But if anyone ignores it, they will themselves be ignored. There. Now, next. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, be eager to prophesy. Okay, so he's not going to say in, in verse 34, women can't speak. And then in verse 39, uh, brothers and sisters, be eager to prophesy. So he clearly doesn't mean silence. What he's talking about, and some of it is obviously cultural in the day. They were very new Christians. There was a lot of um, disorder in the meetings and it seems, from most commentators' views, that probably what was going on was that because women were often coming from a Jewish background, would not have been taught so strongly as the men in the synagogues were, and as the Greeks and the Gentiles were coming in as well and didn't know anything, didn't even know how you know how church functioned. The risk of chaos in the meeting and people talking all the time particularly the women, sorry, just it says here, I mean, I'm just perhaps they were prone to that in Corinth, I don't know. 
But they were, they were, you know, asking things, talking over someone else and all that stuff. And he said, no, this, just, woo, just, let's just keep it so that we can all follow what's going on in the meeting. That seems to be what he's saying. And certainly he can't be saying that women can't contribute because in the other chapters, when he talks about head coverings, he's saying about men and women praying with heads covered or uncovered. So he's, so he's clearly, wanting men and women to share in the meetings. It's more about the order of the meeting. I'm not going into head covering style. It'll take too long. Uh, but you don't have to wear one, all right? Uh, we'll leave it like that. We'll leave it like that, uh, unless you want to. Uh, so, so I think the key thing is about learning about the gifts and then just giving space for the Holy Spirit to do that in the context. It can be, you know, we can worship, of prayer, um, I just want to encourage you, this is a safe place, you know, just to experiment, to, if God prompts you and you kind of feel, well, I think I've got a bit of a word, but I'm not really quite sure, this is a good place to learn, because that's how, that's how we learnt, you know, going back years and years, we just learnt by simply looking at the, at the Bible and then having a go, and you gradually get more confident with it. So any, any questions about any of that? Or thoughts or reflections on any of it. He's quite detailed, isn't he? So, you know, and I think he's detailed because he wants everyone to feel um, equipped and um, confident. Okay, that this is how it's supposed to work. It's okay, this is how it, you know, this is what we're aiming for. Uh, he's, he's certainly very generous, isn't he? He's saying that when you come together, everyone, everyone's got something. So tonight, let me say, you know, as we've come together, everyone, we've all got something to bring. You might not feel it's a, you know, big word, you know, it might be a little, just, but everyone's got something. And um, I'd encourage you to do that, whether it's in a big group or if we get in twos and threes and pray together, we can learn in that way as well. So um, that's giving you a chance to think of any questions, or is that all, does anyone want to raise anything? Luke? I think it's uh, it's a good question in terms of just the, the, the what I what we tended to do in in um, in churches and situations where I've been sort of responsible for meetings. Um, I, we've tended to say if you're if you're going to prophesy over individuals, make, make sure there's three of you in the group because it's always helpful, partly for someone else to be there just to listen to it, uh, but also if the person who's being prophesied to perhaps misunderstood something or didn't feel very comfortable about something, it's good that there's some, some accountability there. And I always try to say, if possible, just record it on your phone as well so you can listen to it later. It's just a very practical thing. But I've always tried to... I mean, it's not like it's wrong, but I've always tried to discourage you know, going off in a corner somewhere and prophesying with someone because it, you don't quite know if it's going to be heard right or understood or that sort of thing. So just try and do it where there's... Two or three, well, there's sorry, three together, you know, rather than, you know, it doesn't have to be a large group. And I think, um, 
yeah, if you get a prophecy for the church, um, it's, I think it should, well, it's up to the elders how they do that. I might, I might say the wrong thing, but this is, there's two ways of approaching it. Either you can say, well, bring it to the elders first and then they'll see where it fits in. Or there's another way of saying it, well, we just bring it and then everyone weighs it. You know, I mean, I just, you know, I think as long as there's a weighing process, I think it's, um, you know, in some ways it's, um, doesn't really matter too much. The importance is, you know, accountability, weighing, uh, just following the, the procedures well. And if it doesn't, if you bring a prophecy to someone, and it doesn't immediately make sense to them. That's okay, as long as it's not. As long as it's prophecy, should encourage, strengthen, and console. That's all, right? That should, if it doesn't encourage someone, strengthen someone, or console them. Then, then either the way you've brought it or the content of it have not been very helpful. So it should always leave someone feeling better, not worse. You know, <laughs> you know, if someone's come up to you and say, I, "I feel the Lord would say Ichabod, the glory's departed." Right? That's not very encouraging, is it? You know, it's not true, Bob. By the way, um, you know, that's <clears throat> it's not. You know, so that that, that isn't going to be God. It just isn't going to be God because we're never left like that. We're always, even if the Lord wants to. Correct us slightly, as a good prophet friend of mine used to say, a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. So there's always a way of saying something, so you actually feel released in God to, from something that was perhaps holding you down, you know, not good for you, um, rather than, that's the Lord, you worm. You know, it's, don't need to do that. You know, just, there's a way of saying things, isn't there? Um, so, yeah, does that answer your question? I don't know. Probably not. <laughs> Pardon? You got another question? Well, you're, you're, you're. Uh, where, where like, ah, is that what you're going to ask? Yeah. yeah. Well, great. There you go. Well, I think uh, prof- prophecy can be brought in many ways. It can be brought as a song. It can be brought as um, just straightforward you know, um, words. You know, I feel the Lord would say this to you. You know. And oh, by the way, that's another thing. I never, I wouldn't ever say to someone, "Thus saith the Lord." You know, don't don't put his name to it. <laughs> Just say, I feel the Lord might be wanting to say this to you, something like that. So there's a there's a there's at least just a uh, you're submitting it rather than imposing it. You know, so I feel the Lord might be saying something like that. But I think um, pictures, dreams, all that kind of stuff would all fit within that prophetic th- thing of just you can just share what you're seeing. Um, I always say to people who get dreams and pictures and images, you know, so, so if some, just to, to go back to the Lord and say, what does this mean? Because if someone comes to me and says, you know, do you know what I had a dream about you last night? It was a penguin flying backwards. I think, <laughs> I think well, okay, well, it might be of the Lord, but uh, do you know what it means? Oh, no, I don't know what it means. Well, well, don't tell me then, all right? Because I don't know what it means either. And all you've done is make me go through the week now thinking about a penguin flying backwards, and it doesn't help. It hasn't helped me at all. So, so you might sometimes people who get dreams and visions do do get them, but can share them too quickly. So just go back to the Lord and say, Lord, what does this mean? What does this mean? And then wait on it until you've got um, enough to go to that person. Um, that that would be my my sort of thought about that. Does that? Where is he? Where is, he? is that? Is that? Is that? Can you rest your case. Yeah. Daniel, was that any? Yeah, I've just yeah, I've just seen like where does the picture come from? Yeah. 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 Ye
I would say they're the same thing. It's just a prophetic. You can speak prophetically through pictures or words. I mean, some you know, you can have prophetic art or prophetic dance or prophetic you know, whatever. It's it's more about commu- It's using a means of communication to convey God's heart. So that so the medium isn't really the key thing. It's what's being conveyed clearly, so someone can understand it. That's the thing, I think. The prophets of the Old Testament uh, were some almost just all pictures. Yes. Yes, exactly. Yeah, they were all a bit unique, weren't they? uh, I I always think that the the key thing to remember about Old Testament prophets and New Testament prophets is they are really quite dissimilar from one another, because Old Testament prophets were the only ones who heard God and they told other people what God was feeling. We're not in that. We're not in that realm. You can all prophesy. You know, we all hear God, and so when we prophesy, we're perhaps putting a magnifying glass on something that God is saying to someone. But we're we're not dependent on that person because we can't hear God for ourselves. Do you see what I mean? So it's not like oh, we need a prophet, otherwise we don't know. No, Jesus said, "My sheep hear my voice." So prophecy is like a, a, turning the volume up on, on perhaps what the Lord might be saying to you anyway. And particularly if you get two or three people prophesy the same thing to you over a number of months or even years, that's the Lord really catching your attention, that he really means business about something. I've usually found when he does that, it means it's going to be difficult. Uh, so it's not always a great joy to me, um, of which I've had a number of those through my life, and they keep coming. And I always think, oh, well, that's great, but, you know. Um, but that's often because the Lord just wants to keep telling you to keep going. Just keep going, keep going. Don't give up. I know it's tough. Keep going, keep going, keep going. So he'll often come to you again and again about the same thing. Um, well, that would be my experience anyway. Any other questions? We want to... Yes. Yes. Yeah, I, I used to believe that, and to be honest, it doesn't really matter. You know, it's one of those little secondary things that doesn't really matter. The reason I don't think that anymore is because um, two reasons. One is when Jesus was at the well with the Samaritan woman, he said, "Ah, yes, the truth is, you're not married. You've had five husbands." Now, some would say, well, that was a word of knowledge. But she said to him, I can see you're a prophet. So she, she saw that as a prophetic revelation. So I think prophecy has a broad category to it of what it looks like. And the reason I think it's more to do with, I think someone who's preaching can move into a word of knowledge where they're preaching beyond their notes. It's almost like when an anointing comes on someone and they're preaching, or when they're sharing something publicly from the scriptures, not always preaching, or it could be in a small group, or even sharing the gospel with someone, and something comes up from within you that enables you to just have an insight that is not human. It's it's supercharged. So I guess what I'm doing is I'm adding another gift in. Because <laughs> if I just broaden prophecy a bit, I'm saying, well, there's another. I think there's another one where actually it's like scripture on fire that sometimes we can just be sharing and you know you've got your notes and your preparation but then something kicks in and you just it's almost, you're listening to yourself thinking I I don't know where this is coming from but it's just you know it's really from God 
So, but that's, you know, I, I'm actually in the minority on that view. Most people would believe what you've said. Um, so I'm quite happy to be wrong, but I think I've discovered another gift that we might lose <laughs> or, or, or we haven't got a name for it because I've seen it happen. And most preachers would say, yeah, I, I, I can recognize what you're saying there. I know when I've done that. Uh, so I'm just giving it a name, but it's, it's not a, it's not a big deal. Anything else? Yes. How, well, if it happens is a good way of telling whether, whether it's true. Um, but I would also say that's why I tend not to say, thus, you know, thus saith the Lord. I would tend to say, I, th- I feel the Lord might be saying this to you. And, and again, you know, prophecy should be always quite open, open so it doesn't close anybody in, and make them feel they're sort of hemmed into something they're not comfortable with. It'll usually be very releasing. Um, and sometimes, it, you know, prophecy can take a long while. I mean, some of the main prophecies that have been brought to me in my life took 10 years before they happened. Uh, and I had to pray them in and just sort of almost position myself so it was easy for the Lord to do it. So it's one of those things it, it, we have to be um, yeah, careful with the gift. Um, but I think even long-term prophecies you can bring in a way that's releasing to someone so they're not feeling heavy about it or, or hemmed in or you know, constrained in some way that isn't comfortable for them. But we do have to be, we do have to be careful. I say to people, look, prophecy is a bit like we've got a, a, a lovely little wood burner in our, in our, in our house. Um, and, uh, you know, a wood burner, if you've got the fire, the wood in it and there's a coal fire, it's lovely on a winter's night, you know, to watch the fire. It's great. If that fire was in the middle of the carpet in the room, it wouldn't be so much fun. You know, because it, it's not gonna, it's not what it's supposed to be, is it? It's not, it's, it can do damage. So prophecy, when it's not in the right framework, can damage people. So we just, I think what Paul's doing is he's putting the framework, he's putting like a wood burner around prophecy to say, when you prophesy, these, these will be things that will help keep it safe for people. Because sadly I have seen great damage done with prophecy where people are told things about, you know, uh, yeah, I'm not even going to repeat it, where you think, well, it's just so foolish to bring a word like that. And it's, it's not of God. And you've actually, all you've done is made someone feel very, condemned and spiritually abused actually so we do have to be very very careful in how we're doing it but you know that's all about tone as much as anything isn't it and and just being careful with content but i don't you know we're a million miles away from that here uh, it's usually in contexts where people are a bit overbearing in their style i find where you get things that are a bit a bit like that Anyway, we need to get on with things. Uh, any, anyone, any other questions? I want to make sure that we've covered. Yeah. I'm just thinking one of the things that I think Amy talked about was not always going to someone what you think is what God's going to say. It's to take time to mm. pray and to make sure that, you know, God can share something with somebody that you believe God's given to you. Mm. With knowledge of fostering the picture. Um, <coughs> it's really good advice that you said this to to wait and see whether you even do need to share. Yes. Because sometimes we see things, but they're not actually. God doesn't want us to share them. Yes. Or maybe not at that time. Mm. So I think it's another way of sort of making it safe, isn't it? Yeah, it can be for you to pray for that person, yeah. you know, just for you to have an insight so you can pray. Yeah, absolutely. No, not to rush mm. it. Yeah. Say, well, yeah. Yeah. You know, and to wait and just say to the Lord, you know, God, God, I want you to do this. Yes. Yeah, no, totally. I think that's that's good. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, 
Let's just see what, let's have a, have a look and see what the Lord will do. I mean, can we have uh, a bit of worship and then we'll, if we like to stand together and... Um...